Hello and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast, supported by Ride WA. This week's episode, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's my favourite one. I mean, if I had to choose anyone to bring on the podcast in my first season, it would be this week's guest. And I don't know how it happened, but it did, okay? And I've gone full fangirl mode. Now, she needs no introduction, okay? In my opinion, in the next five years, our guest today is going to be the dominator in the Women's World Tour. She will. She's the biggest talent we have, and I can't wait to see her just get into grips with the European cycling and start to really find her feet. She's the current individual national time trial champion. She's been the national road champion as a 19-year-old, and she's already been to the Olympics and finished 11th in the time trial. I mean, can you believe that? 11th as a 20-year-old in your first Olympics. It's mental. She's none other than Sarah Giganti. Now, uh, we talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, we talk about um, moving to Movistar. We talk about her first season as a World Tour pro, the ups and downs that you sort of go through, moving over to, to Girona. We cover so much stuff. Zwift, um, you name it. But you know what I love most about this app, And you'll see it in other interviews that Sarah does um, you know, around the cycling media, Sarah has an infectious, like, bubbly personality. It's so friendly, and she's so happy to talk about her experiences that you just can't but help but smile. And we did this over Zoom, and I've still got the video, and one day I might put it up to YouTube, but, you know, you can just see as she's speaking, or I saw as she was speaking, we were chatting, that she just had a big beaming smile whenever she was talking about anything cycling. Um, so, look... I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Uh, Sarah's a great character. Um, she's a terrific young lady and, um, you know, we'll get to know a little bit more about her and hopefully as we see more coverage in the Women's World Tour next year and beyond, we'll get to see her at the front of bike races ripping people's legs off. So, as always, get that ergo up and about, put the potties in, uh, on the way to work, on the commute, whatever, just chuck it in, turn it up, and enjoy. Okay, hello. Today we are sitting here with none other than Sarah Giganti, uh, the current individual time trial Australian national champion. How are you going, Sarah? Yeah, good, thanks. I'm here in hotel quarantine, so thanks for having me on. It's definitely the most interesting part of my day so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I thought so. I figured uh, quarantine would be pretty boring. So, um, yeah, we can uh, take up some of your time. <laughs> um, okay, so why don't we start with, um, just give us a brief introduction, Sarah, um, of yourself. Maybe start with where you're from, uh, where you're living now, and the team that you're riding for on the uh, World Tour circuit. Cool. So, yes, I'm Sarah Giganti. I'm... I just turned 21 years old, but I started racing when I was eight, actually, on the Velodrome. I'm from Melbourne, Victoria, um, the good old Brunswick Cycling Club, best club in Australia, I have to say. And I'm currently riding for Team Tibco Silicon Valley Bank, but next year I'm making the step up to the Women's World Tour. So I'll be riding for Movistar, which is super exciting. I'll be Annemiek Van Vluten's teammate, who's Olympic time trial champion, which is really, really, really exciting. And I'll be living in Girona in Spain. Mm, cool. That's pretty exciting. Um, what was the, what velodrome did you grow up riding on? Was it one of the outdoor tracks in Melbourne? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Brunswick Velodrome. Like, it's very, <laughs> I mean, all Brunswick members love it, but including me, I love it. But like the back straight is downhill, <laughs> the front straight is uphill and then there's like cracks everywhere. And even when they resurfaced it, which was really cool, like they resurfaced it. But then um, I still remember the first time I went there after the resurfacing and I was like, phew, they kept it as um, back straight downhill, front straight uphill. <laughs> That's awesome. The outdoor tracks are so good for um, developing like junior cyclists because we don't have any here in WA that are still in use. Like there's a few sort of north and south of, of Perth, but, you know, they're a little bit overgrown. You can really only ride like a mountain bike on them. Oh, that's so sad. I had no idea. Yeah, we're really lucky in Melbourne especially. Like we have two indoor tracks, one of which no one uses, the Hisons. But 
all the outdoor tracks are amazing. And I remember my whole junior, like all my memories from when I was a kid are pretty much just outdoor carnivals, like, yeah, trooping out to the countryside with my mum, doing all the Christmas carnivals and all through the summer. Uh, it was such a, such a good time. <laughs> and when you were um, like riding as a junior and, and going up through under 15s, under 17s, did you still ride on the track or was it mainly road? Yeah, actually, I did track and road very equally until three years ago. I couldn't decide which one was my favourite for so long. By the end of track season, I'd always be super excited for road. By the end of road, I'd always be super excited for track, but I'd still do both of them throughout the whole year. And, yeah, I was in love with both. And even now I, I do miss track. I'd like to go back to it a bit more. But, yeah, it was only – I went to Junior Track World Championships and Junior Road World Championships in 2018. And, actually, I got one medal from the two championships, and it was actually on the track. So oh. um, it was actually, yeah, two months after that, I think, the end of that year, then I decided – it wasn't really, like, a decision, but – I guess I just kind of fell more and more in love with road. And then um, I went to the road national championships and after winning there, then suddenly my whole year was like taken up by road and I never really went back to the track, which is a bit sad, but I'm having so much fun on the road. Hey, it's always there. Um, what were the medals that you won in the junior world to track? Oh, oh just one. Yeah. The silver medal in the points race. Ah, the point. Oh, because I can sprint, but I lapped the field twice. Unfortunately, so did the winner. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. You have to I imagine that would be pretty crazy. Did you ride um, any other events? Did you do the scratch? Um, yeah. I just did the scratch in the points race. No TT? Oh, that was on the track. No. No, no other events. Um, and then on the road, I did both the time trial and the road race. Where was that? I didn't come <laughs> Where was the Junior Worlds for the road? Uh, the, the road worlds are in Innsbruck in Austria oh. and track worlds are in Eigl in Switzerland. They were both beautiful places. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Nice. Um, is this the first time you've uh, come back to Australia since you left for Europe? Yes, but I, I mean, I left in March this year, so it's been a while, but it's not like I haven't been home in years like some people <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. All right. Um, well, let's start off with your, I guess this year was your first year as a, in Europe, like full time. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So last year was my first year as a pro, but it didn't really work out. So mm. I did, I did nationals, which was super cool. I did the Tour Down Under, Cadell's, Herald Sun Tour. And then I went over to Europe, but I only did about four races, four flat Belgian races <laughs> before um, the pandemic really took hold in Europe. And then I still remember we flew to Italy for Strada Bianchi. Was it? Yeah, it was for Strada. And we were the only people on the flight pretty much, like just our team. Because oh. that, that was a time when Italy was like the place not to be. It was like the, one of the very biggest hotspots in the world and we were flying into that airport like what are we doing and then as soon as we got there like I think within a few hours then we found out that the race had been cancelled so we just had to fly back and then we all just went home so I came back to Australia and unfortunately I never got out again so uh, in the second half of the year I was just stuck in Melbourne lockdown um, watching all the races take place overseas so I was definitely very happy to go to Europe this year. Yeah. And what was it like? What's it like moving over there? Like you moved over there and living in Girona, as you said, like that must have been pretty scary, like just like moving somewhere else and, and, and living there. Like were you living with uh, like another teammate or anything or some of the other Aussies? Um, so actually when I moved to Girona, it was a bit um, daunting at the time because so I spent my first maybe month and a half in Europe with my team. So first I went to Italy race Binder and then I raced some of the Belgian classics but unfortunately I crashed at Flesh Wallone and I broke my leg and my collarbone and elbow all in one crash and it was like five days after that that I moved to Drona and I was living by myself in an apartment like I mean it wasn't far from the city but I wasn't expecting to have a broken leg when I organized it so I was living a few kilometers out and I had to like I had a crutch, but I had to walk to the supermarket 
and <laughs> it was like a, a few kilometers. And I, I mean, I have to say, looking back, those first, actually, I was lucky the first week I lived with someone that was really nice. And well, I was really, really injured. But then after that, when I was living by myself and I was still like pretty injured, um, and I had to like still just remember like trudging back from the supermarket, being like, what am I doing here? I was <laughs> like so broke. Um, yeah. And now I live with my teammate, Kristen Faulkner. She's American. And it's so much, so much better. So I think that's some advice I have to any young pros moving over to Europe. Um, definitely better to not be on your own. Like I enjoyed it. My That was like three months uh, or two months before the Olympics. I was living in that apartment by myself. But I, I've definitely found that living with someone else is definitely nice when you're overseas and a long way from home yeah 100 percent um especially if you're injured you're like stuck inside as well um yeah i think that was the bad thing like if i was going to and from races the whole time it would have been fine probably nice to like go to a race like have heaps of people then go home and have some downtime by yourself yeah. but because it was like no i just like didn't race for like two or three months <sighs> and i was just by myself then it was a bit hard at the time yep Nice. Well, um, is Kirsten Faulkner, is she on, she's on the new team? Uh, so, um, for next year, she's moving to Back Exchange, actually. So she's joining the Aussie team. I told her that she's lucky to have me as her housemate because I've been teaching her some Aussie slang already. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a good leg up. Um, sweet. So uh, I guess... You talked about that the crash. I was trying to avoid that. I was watching the coverage when that happened. And um, but uh, how would you describe your first, like I guess, wasn't a full year because of the the um, crash? But how would you describe that first season in in Europe? Well, actually, it didn't go so well because well, I went to the Olympics, which was amazing. It was one of the best weeks ever. But unfortunately, I've been like pretty sick since then. So even just a few days after was like the last time I rode my bike. So it's been a pretty bad year, I'd say. Started off really, really well yeah. in Australia. I had so much fun. Um, I knew it was fun, even though I, I I mean, I did break a few bones. That wasn't the most fun, but I still really enjoyed like the whole experience and I was really looking forward to the later races. And the Olympics was amazing. Mm. But, but I guess it's just been like a real rollercoaster year and I miss riding my bike. So on the whole, not the best year, but there have been some amazing parts. Yeah, well, that's a good way to look at it. And it can only go up from here. <laughs> that's right. You know, and there's always the Australian summer too. So even if you have the down moments, you know, the Australian summer is always a great time. Um, and, uh, yeah, but you had some pretty good, like, uh, results in some of the first races that you did in Europe. Like, was it Doors de Vlanderen? Like uh, that, was fun. Yeah, was, that was like the first race when I felt part of the race in Europe. So I've done a few races, not that many, like maybe 10 with Team Tipco, Silicon Valley Bank, and then um, maybe another, I can't remember exactly, but eight or something with the national team the year before. Yeah. Um, but I've never really felt part of the race as much as in Australia. It feels like um, in Europe I'm often just... I'm there, but I'm, I, I like being, you know, like taking action, like deciding yeah. what to do, next, like holding on or trying to like go around crashes and stuff like that near the back. So um, at Dwarves, I was so stoked because it felt like, yes, like I am strong enough to be here. I am like, I deserve to be in this race. And um, I was able to follow some attacks and it was just like so fun and so rewarding to feel like, yes, like, okay, I'm in Europe and I, you know, deserve to be in this peloton. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's like that, uh, it's like when you're uh, like a junior and you're moving up through the grades and you get to that point where one grade, you're like an animator. You're at the front, you can you can contest and then, but you're probably ready to move up a grade and that's where you go back to being like, you know, towards yeah, exactly. back, you know, and you're like, you hold, like you said, you're holding on versus, um you're not necessarily dictating the race, but, you know, I'm sure um, the Europe is, racing in Europe is just about getting that experience at those races. And, um, you know, in some, I'm sure in some cases the strength there, it's more about like uh, 
I guess, is it just more about like learning the roads, uh, the different, um, you know, the large peloton? Uh, yeah, it's like really completely different kind of sport um, to cycling in Australia, especially for the women going over to Europe. I think it's, um, it can be quite common for Aussies to struggle at the start just because our pelotons here, like, I mean, at nationals this year, we got quite a few women, but like a typical national road series round might have like 50 riders and then you go to Europe and there's like 150 and it's so much harder to be in those top 20 um, who can actually do something in Europe than in the NRS or in the VRS here or even racing with the men in the crits. I have to say, like, I remember I came back from my first trip in Europe, so 2019, came back from there and I did a local club crit with the men and I was like, man, these guys are, like, so easy to push out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's definitely the hardest part about racing in Europe. I, I feel like we're definitely strong enough and, like, there are some super, super strong um, domestic women racing um, it's just like a, a big move to pack up and move to Europe and I mean you'd have to quit your job often or leave your family behind things like that and also when you get there then you have to learn like this new kind of sport yeah yeah new flow to the race you know and, and it's like um, yeah just like positioning and all those riders in Europe have had all that European racing as they're younger to contest in. And like, you know, like those Belgian races, they have like, you know, a hundred people. Yeah. You see kids, yeah. Little kids like riding past in massive pelotons. Yeah. Yeah. And we you get like 50 riders on a good day. And then um, maybe only six or seven of those riders are really like contesting. Mm. Um, well, that's great. It's, it's really good. Um, insight i guess uh like you said what it's like being in the in the women's peloton how it's different to the nrs is it um is it like is the racing aggressive in the women's peloton like you said like um is there like lots of sort of um pushing around like a lot of people talking and like lots of you know italian swear words (laughs) things (laughs) like that like everyone is really hardcore i think you have to be if you want to get anywhere near the front on a regular basis, then you really have to get those elbows out. And, um, yeah, for sure, people just do everything to get there. It's super high level, I have to say, when it comes to both the strength but also um, the willingness to do anything to get there, I guess. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so <laughs> that's good. You would have learned a few swear words, though, in different languages. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually understand them. I can just tell that they're swearing at me <laughs> in a certain tone. Imagine if they were just saying aggressively, I really like your bike or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so what about the uh, oh, Olympics? How good is that? Yeah, it was pretty surreal. I still remember, like, finding out that I was going to go to the Olympics the day I was selected. It was how, just, do they, how do they tell well, you <laughs> Uh, they just call you up actually so I knew that it was that day or the next day around then we were all notified notified everyone on the long list was told like okay you're going to find out whether you made it or not they call you which is really good it's not just if you um don't know then you're just waiting 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 no so everyone um was told that they were on the long list and then this is the day you're going to get a phone call and man, I sat by my phone, just like, please call me and have good news. But then, like, if it's bad news, please don't call. <laughs> you know, you just like really want to know, but you're also really nervous. So yeah, when um, Rory said on the phone that I was picked, I just could not stop beaming. And I, I called my mum straight away. Called my brother. Called my coach, Dylan Lindsay. It was just like the best day ever. And I think I didn't stop smiling like for ages, <laughs> just thinking. Like, I'd always been dreaming of going to the Olympics and um, I really didn't believe that it was even possible to get selected. Mm. Um, I mean, at all, really, it seems like such a a hard thing to do, get picked for an Olympics, but especially for Tokyo, like I really, I wasn't even, I think I was on the long list last year, but 
like they pretty much told me I, I don't have a chance. Mm. And then even this year, I doubted. I really mm. doubted. But yeah, it was crazy. And I was, yeah, so stoked. It was a really, really fun week. But also just like the whole hype um, yeah. in the lead up was really fun. Yeah, I imagine. Um, do you get like, uh, what was some of the, I always like to know what kind of like kit do you get? What do you get given? Like Australian oh, kit? Yeah. I, I, saw some, I saw some cool photos of like, you know, the shorts, the like the bum bag, like yes. <laughs> all that stuff. Like, what do you the bum bag in the bucket hat, my favourite two <laughs> yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, you get so much swag. I think that's some of the coolest part. So, um, yeah, lots of kit. Pretty cool kit, I have to say. Um, tons of casual clothes. Even a Samsung iPhone with the Olympic rings and little, I forgot what they're called. I'm not a very good um, Samsung ambassador, but um, they're AirPods, but the Samsung version of those, they oh, gave yeah. us the, whatever they are. But yeah, it's so cool. Um, I don't know. Just even like the little wristbands that say Tokyo 2020. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, so exciting. Yeah. And then we get like, um, badges to trade or pins to trade with other countries. Although I was really bad at that. I only got a Luxembourg pin on Luxembourg. the last day. <laughs> oh, that's a pretty cool one. I like that. The trading of the yeah. pins. Wow. What, what, who was the person you swapped with? Um, Christine Majerus, actually. But I was really bad. I, she asked me if I had my pins on me to swap. And the reason I never swapped was because I always forgot to bring them. So I didn't have them at that time. But because it was the last day, she's like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to do much more trading. So you can just have mine, even though I didn't give her anything. So that was <laughs> oh, that's cool. You did all right there. You got to keep yours. <laughs> do you reckon you'll, um, I, if I got all that stuff, I wouldn't want to throw any of it out. Like, I just want to keep I'm it. I'm not throwing it out. No way. <laughs> That's sick. Uh, okay, so at the end, sorry, I've got a foot cramp. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, yeah. What was the, um, uh, like, the travel procedure like for Tokyo? Because obviously it was like um, COVID and stuff was still a big concern um, then. Like, how did the travel process go getting to Tokyo while you're at the Games? Yeah, so we had to all take two tests before we left, so not the normal one test. So two tests um, and then just so much paperwork and like all these different Japanese apps I actually have to delete them from my phone because I think I have like five apps to like, there was like one to get into Tokyo or into Japan and then one like while you're there, one to depart, like all these different apps, like um, you have to say where you were and stuff. But I mean, it was really well controlled and in the end, I, I think there were a few um, cases at our hotel, our cycling hotel, mm. but we were um, told by our team doctor um, it started off fine. We were eating in the dining hall, but after um, a couple of cases started happening, then we uh, would go to the dining hall each mealtime, grab our food and then eat in our room. So oh. we, we were pretty safe. Oh, wow. Okay. Um... That's pretty good. You didn't get any t um, positives. Were you nervous about it? I was nervous. I mean, I was. We were all vaccinated. I think nearly. I think everyone was. I was fully vaccinated, so I was mainly nervous about testing positive, and then even me not being able to race, or like making my roommate Grace not be able to race, or something like that. So, um, yeah, I was a little nervous, but we were doing everything right, so we were pretty confident that we'd be okay. Mm. And um, what was the roadways like? Because it was, it was a pretty hot day. Like, what was the, how did the yeah, race go? It was actually a really, really strange race. So um, a very early breakaway went, I think you know, but someone, the winner, <laughs> attacked at zero kilometres in, um, yeah. which was pretty cool. An awesome ride by her. But the weird thing was that because no big countries, or I say big, no, um, none of the countries with like four mate. riders maximum yeah none of those countries or even the countries of three got into the breakaway so no one wanted to chase because everyone was looking at the dutch team to chase because mm. they were like the out and out favorite but then uh the dutch riders <laughs> i don't know weren't really working together that well <laughs> yeah. to chase it. and then yeah everyone was just like 
what on earth is happening? Like we were in the peloton and I was, Tiff Cromwell was our road captain. She was awesome. And I was like, so do we chase? Like the gap's like 10 minutes. This is crazy. It, that, that's very rare in women's cycling. So I guess because the race was a lot shorter than the men's race and they had like bigger climbs to come later in the race. And we didn't like our hill was just their first hill. And then we just had a pretty much downhill run. So 10 minutes in the first half of the race is pretty epic. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, should I chase? And she's like, no, like the Dutch, the Dutch surely are going to chase. And everyone was thinking the Dutch like have to chase this. But then, yeah, it didn't really turn out how we expected. But then we all ended up getting dropped anyway, apart from Tiff. Tiff had a great ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get dropped anyway. That's funny. Uh, it was a crazy race to um, to watch. How hot was it? Oh, it was boiling. Really humid, though. I mm. think that was what made it feel so boiling. Mm. Like, we had um, ice stockings and, I mean, we'd been there for a week, so tried to uh, get used to the weather but we had to stay in our rooms most of the time so mm. I mean it was like we were staying in our nice 20 degree rooms and then yeah. they jumped out into the, the cooker but I think everyone was like that no one was I mean actually I think Annemiek van Vluden was posting about how she did like sauna ergos and crazy things like that but I think most of the field um also found it really hot yeah yeah it's sauna ergos my god yeah, I know. That's dreadful. I just think I'd rather be not prepared. <laughs> yeah, sauna ergos. Just a normal, a regular ergo session. Is mm. uh, and you got, you placed 11th in the TT. You got to yeah. get that. That's pretty bloody good in, in the Olympic time trial. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at the time I was a bit disappointed. I, I didn't really know what to expect, but... Um, definitely even just a couple of days later than I was. I mean, I could be proud of even if I came last or first, like I'd put in that much work just to get there. And I knew that no matter what the result, the reality was I did everything I could. And like, I remember thinking as soon as I got that call, which was quite a long time before the Olympics, I'm like, I'm going to do everything perfectly. And I'd already been doing everything pretty well obviously but I I didn't leave a stone unturned because I wanted to be able to line up on that start ramp and think yeah no, ma no matter what happens I'm proud of this and I didn't want to have any regrets because I know going to the Olympics is probably a you know it's a once in a lifetime kind of experience and you don't want to think what if so yeah I mean I did everything I could so I could be proud of that yeah absolutely and going to your first Olympics when you're were you 20 or 21 at that stage? Yeah, 20. It was pretty cool. <laughs> That's crazy. And Tokyo, all places too, like um, such an interesting culture as well. Yeah. And everyone was so nice. All the volunteers were so lovely. Mm. Oh, let's see. Um, okay. So uh, what did you learn from the Olympics? Was there anything in particular that you took home from those games um, that still stays with you now? I think mainly what I learned was because – Maybe it sounds silly. You said 11th was good. And, I mean, it is good because it's the Olympics. But um, I was disappointed a little bit. So I think mainly what I learned was you can just be proud in the process. So, yeah, I mean, no matter what the result, I'd work just as hard on that day. Like, I can't really control how fast the other time trialists go. It's so individual. So I think that's what I learned. I learned to be able to um, reflect on what I'd done to get there and be very proud of that. And you can use that preparation that you that you did and you completed correctly in the lead up to the games. Um, you know, even just completing the correct preparation for a race is an achievement because you know there's so many things that can get in the way of training, injury, sickness, overtraining, that sort of stuff. But nailing the training in the lead up to a, a big event, um, I think that's pretty. Important. Oh, that's definitely harder. Like everything you do in the lead up is a million times harder than. The day of the Olympics, it's easy. Like, all you have to do is go out there and try your best, like, half an hour of pain <laughs> in, like, with on TV and yeah. at the Olympics when you know, like, there's such a reward at the end. Like, that's nothing. It's definitely, like, those five-hour rides when you 
in the middle of nowhere and it's like 40 degrees and you can't find water and then you run out of food and then you still got like two of it's left but uh, the efforts you've done so far aren't going well so you're just like oh <laughs> those those rides are the hard ones and that's what makes it all worth it yeah the sauna ergos yeah. <laughs> um oh okay cool i forgot about this i've just got on my little sheet so i um i do junior coaching sarah and um <laughs> there's one done special young man who's uh, been doing uh, uh, questions of the guests. So okay. his name's Campbell, so it's called Campbell's Corner. Um, so I'm just going to, okay, here it is. I'm just going to play it on my phone. Listeners, hello. How good is this episode? Sarah is an absolute legend, and there's so much more good stuff to come on the backside of this little bit of mid-roll. If you could do me a big favor, if you're loving this podcast, review it. Review it on Apple, review it on Spotify. I think, so I've been told, it helps the algorithm. So it helps build this potty into a big monster that we all want it to become. So um, yeah, take a few seconds to do that. Like, share it with your mates if you're really loving it. I really appreciate the feedback. Everybody's sharing the stories. Oh, it's brilliant. I love it. And um, yeah, sit back and enjoy the rest of this podcast, Legends. This is the press room. We'll see you again. How do you get motivated for your toughest races? Ooh, how do I get motivated? For the races? Well, I think for the races, I know how hard I've worked in training. So then, I mean, I love racing anyway, so I don't really struggle for motivation with that. I'm pretty lucky. I'm so competitive. Like, if you try and play Monopoly with me, it, it will not go well, especially if I'm not winning. Um, so, yeah, I think I just love racing so much, but if I'm thinking about motivation, it's definitely I like to think, or if I'm nervous for a race, I like to think about everything I've done and everything that people around me have done to help get me there and all the hard work I've put in. So, I mean, maybe I'm answering the question of what do I do if I'm not feeling confident before a race. That's um, pretty much the same thing, I guess. Like if you're on coming up to a race and you're a bit nervous or something or not looking forward to it, um, yeah, mainly I'm looking forward to it, but maybe I'll be nervous as well, especially for those Belgian races. But I just like to think about um, everything I've done and how hard I've worked, how amazing everyone around me has been and like what's the worst thing that can happen? Okay, maybe <laughs> for those button races, maybe you can break a couple of bones, but you'll be back. So, <laughs> and that's very rare anyway. So I think the worst thing that normally happens is maybe you don't get the result you wanted, but that's really not the end of the world because, I mean, you learn even more when you lose. So, yeah, it's always just, I just like to look at the positives um, no matter how it goes and, yeah, be proud of yourself for getting there. That's great. Awesome. Campbell's going to love that. He's going to lie. Yeah. Thanks for the good question, Campbell. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, what is it like, uh, say, at the Nationals? So maybe right now in your career, the Nationals in Australia, you know, the Santos Cycling Festival, Turn Under, Cadells, that sort of stuff, those are the races maybe now that you'll be one of the big favourites, right, on a normal day. What's it like being the, like when you know you're the favourite for a race, say, for example, this year's um, Road Nationals, what's it like being the favourite? Actually, I didn't really like it. I think it was the first time I'd been, like, probably the favourite. And I found it a little bit challenging. I mean, it's nice in one way. It's it's cool. You have to think about to be the favourite for a race, even though there's, there are lots of negatives one of the positives is like you must have worked pretty pretty hard to get there and you've done some pretty cool things to get yourself into that spot so that was one cool thing like it's not really um that of that much of an everyday experience to be able to turn up to a national elite national championships and be like yeah I'm probably the favorite here so that was cool but I mean I did have to learn to like um ignore the pressure I guess and then I didn't I, I think I can't remember exactly I think I came eighth or something but I certainly didn't win so then I had to um not just I was a bit disappointed in myself but then I I kind of felt like other people around me like really they also would know that I'm disappointed so I guess that was a hard thing because normally if I'm disappointed 
I don't know why, but I kind of like to, <laughs> I think it's pretty normal. Like you don't like everyone to know that you're disappointed too. Yeah. But then like if I finished the race, I think, I, yeah, so say I did come eighth. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> I should know that. But, yeah, so if I finished the race eighth, then in another year or maybe if I hadn't won um, before that or if I didn't win the Santos Festival of Cycling, then people would say like, yeah, nice job, eighth, good job. But because everyone else knew that I kind of wanted to win or I did want to win, then they'd say, oh, bad luck or things like that. So I guess um, being able to still be proud of yourself and stay positive when lots of people are saying um, bad luck and they're being nice, but it's just like hard to finish a race and be like, oh man, like if I don't win this, then it's like a disappointing result. And that's a bit sad. So I like to like think about it. Okay, yeah, like eighth is pretty cool. And I mean, the the coolest thing about it was that I did everything really well. Like um, leading up to that race, I trained so, so hard and I was really focused and I tried not to worry about the pressure and I, I did enjoy the race. So I had fun out there. And yeah, I mean, you can't win every race. So that's right. I mean, yeah, it's normal not to be able to win every race. I don't think anyone can. No, 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 it's a good answer. Uh, and you are, uh, you're, um, while you're in Europe, you're still studying, aren't you? Yeah, actually, I dropped down to part time this year. So I was studying full time until the start of this year. And then um, when I was moving to Europe, just before census day, I'm like, no, I'm going part time. And I think it was a very, very good decision with everything that happened this year. Yeah, definitely. And what are you studying? Actually, I also changed that. So I was studying a Bachelor of Science at Melbourne. I was doing maths and computer science. And then I did a breadth in linguistics. It's totally random, just a fun breadth. But I loved it so much. And it's not like I didn't like maths or computer science. I liked them. But when I did this breadth, I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this so much. And just how I love following my dreams of cycling. I'm like, no, I can't just ignore this. I, I love this subject. So then I changed my whole degree so that I could major in linguistics, except with arts at Melbourne, you can have two majors. So I was like, well, I may as well have two. So I'm doing linguistics and geography, bit wow. of a random combination, but yeah, I'm following my heart. Sweet. That's so cool. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah. So even part-time study is still like, there's still a lot of work um mm. for university did you ever find yourself um like did you ever have to like study on a transfer to a race or anything like that oh yeah I mean even coming to Australia I think a lot of that is to do with my <laughs> procrastination skills I say skills <laughs> because diamonds are made under pressure but I, I wrote like a 2000 word essay on the flight the two flights from um, France to here um <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I often study um, on my way to races. Or even I remember doing Year 12, um, I was doing a lot of track in Year 12, so I would always study at the velodrome because with track training, you waste so much time. I just couldn't stand all the wasted time. So I would just, like, sit there and do some chemistry questions, then do an effort, sit there, do some chemistry questions. So, yeah, lots of multitasking going on. But I like it. I mean, it's something else to focus on, and I think it's, really really important that everyone has like something else to do because as good as cycling is and it's amazing I love it my whole life is already focused enough on bikes mm -hmm. and without um <laughs> mistaking away like the one thing that's not to do with bikes so I think it's nice to have a bit of balance definitely definitely and uh so for 2022 um you must be excited to join new team movie star yeah it's going to be surreal like even now just thinking about it I'm so excited and team to go Silicon Valley Bank has been awesome too but I think it's going to be super cool to be able to um just race with some of those teammates that I'll have and I think I'll be able to learn so so much mm -hmm. and even things like altitude camps I'm really excited for that or aero testing yeah sounds cool to me that's pretty cool is um there's one writer I really like on Movie Star. I think she's on Movie Star. Um, 
she wrote a really good, she actually wrote, she was second behind Anna Meek at Stradivianchi maybe last year, that really hot edition. Um, Mavi Garcia, is that her name? Is she on um, No, she's not actually, but I think, yeah, she's Spanish. So good guess. <laughs> oh, okay, I was close. But, um, yeah, anyway, it must be really good to be, uh, to join with um, Anna Meek. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, Anna Meek and Emma Norsgaard, Leah Thomas, Elena Sierra, Tons of awesome writers and the staff are all, well, so far they seem really, really nice too. So I love that. It's like yeah. a big family. Yeah. And it's a good looking kit too, the blue. If they keep yeah. The blue. yeah, good looking kit, good looking bike. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, so I guess, are you looking forward to um, nationals? Mm. Uh, I'm really sad about nationals, actually. This sickness I've got. Um, yeah, I probably won't be able to race. So, oh, I know, right? I I just love Bunny Young so much. I I've had a pretty good streak there. So, one under 19s, then my first year elite, second year elite, third year elite. I mean, under 23s, but we race with the elites. Still. And then, yeah, this year I'm not going to be able to defend my time trial title. So, I'll lose that streak, but I'll be back the next You'll year. You'll be back. I oh, know. That's the good thing about nationals is it's on every year. Yeah, and I don't think it's gonna help my heartbreak though. I'm already heartbroken <laughs> when I when I come to January. I'm trying to get in the commentary team though, so that would be super cool. I asked Matt Keenan. I was like, please. <laughs> that is awesome. Matt Keenan's like a he's like my idol. Um, we commentate. That's <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Definitely do that. That would be so cool. You could do special comments. Yeah, I I was trying to think like. It's going to be so sad because Nationals is my favourite race, even though this year, I mean, I went to the Olympics. That was also awesome. But there's something about Nationals, just like you spend like the, the few months leading up to it, just like getting more and more excited. You're coming into summer. Um, all the bunch rides start getting faster and faster because <laughs> everyone's getting ready for Nationals. And, yeah, I mean, in the past, I've always been one of the, like the local riders and it's like, yes, we finally get to race the pros and like show what we've got. So, yeah, I just love nationals so much. So I was trying to think about a way to kind of flip this bad situation where I can't even ride my bike and I have to miss nationals. Trying to flip that and turn it into some sort of positive. So it's thinking if I can still be involved um, and do something, <laughs> I think that's better than just like sitting on the couch watching it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That would be so cool. Hopefully you can. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, okay, so I've got um, a few questions to finish off with, Sarah. Um, providing everything goes well and um, you, know, you get a good crack at 2022 in Europe, what are the three races that you would really like to do well in if you could pick three to have your best three results? Oh, okay. Um, well, I definitely want to get picked for the Tour de France fam, the first Tour de France for women in I think it's like 30 years now. Yeah. So that would be so cool. I'm not actually sure yet if I'll get picked, of course, but because my sister's moving to a very strong team means it's mm-hmm. harder to get picked for races. But I'm really hoping that I'll be um, back to full strength by then and hopefully I'll be able to race at the Super Plus, the Belfies. Yeah. Um, yeah, and be Animeg's domestic for the whole week, which would be awesome because I feel like she has an amazing shot at winning. So, yeah, that race I'd love to do. Um, the Commonwealth Games next year in oh. England. I think the selection period is quite early on in the year, so it depends when I'm allowed to ride my bike again. Mm-hmm. Um, fingers crossed, because I mean, if it's anything like the Olympics, which I feel like it would be, then yeah. it, I'd love it. The Olympics was so fun. Yeah. Uh, World Championships. I mean, now I've won a few national titles in the elites, and I went to the Olympics, but I've still never got to go to it world championship in the elite so i'm i'm hoping that i'll be able to get picked next year i really want to you know like crack that and make my first elite um team and actually next year is my last year as an under 23 and so far there's never been an under 23 women's category um but next year they're talking about having under 23s in the elite women so i mean it's not a perfect solution but it would work well for me if I can get picked. So I'm really hoping, I'm hoping that they also have an under 23 women's time trial because then 
home worlds like Wollongong. I yeah. mean, it's like yeah. that's in Canada, yeah. but whatever. Home worlds and um, a top age under twenty three in the first under twenty three women's time trial would be absolutely surreal. So I'm hoping that can happen. And I mean, just anything at this stage. I just really <laughs> want to get stuck into. I want to ride my bike again. I want to race again. But um, so far, overseas in Europe, I've pretty much only done Europe, uh, European racing in Belgium. So in Belgium, I've done Trofeo Binder in Italy, which was really fun. Mm. But it was my first race in Europe this year. So I, I'd really like to like go back to Europe after a little bit more experience than it being my first race and just, yeah, be able to do some hilly races. And not just the Belgian cobbled ones. I mean, they were cool, but oh. I, give me those Spanish classics any day. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good answers. Um, what's your uh, What's your favourite Zwift um, course? Do you have a favourite world or or a certain route? Oh, I do, but I've forgotten which one it is. I think it's on one top. Um, it's the hill where my name is on the road. I love oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. You know, I didn't even know that was a. Um, uh, I didn't even know that was on Zwift until I saw, I think you might have posted an Instagram post or a story. And <laughs> I saw it and I was like, where is that? I didn't even know that was a course. I thought it was like a special testing course. And then I found um, out, you know, that it's, I think that maps only like once a month or something. Oh, right. Yeah. Or special events or something. Yeah. On top because uh, we raced the virtual Tour de France last year. Ashley Mulman Fazio won that stage, but I oh. came second and then, um, both our names got to go on the road, which I thought was super cool. So, yeah. That is so cool. So that's what happened because you got in the top three, you got your yeah. name on the road. Oh. Yeah. How awesome is that? Wow. That's hell good. Wow. Actually, I also like the Alpters lift because I had the QOM for ages and I was really proud of that because I was in lockdown in <laughs> Melbourne and I was like, nothing to do. Everyone was racing in Europe. Like, I was just like at home while watching the world champs, at home while watching strata and everything like that and i was like oh <laughs> i wish i was there so i just trained so so hard to get that <laughs> so that was still, also a good one. are you still in the top like are you still like oh, second or third oh the hard thing is about the swift qoms is that all these people without power meters I sound like a bitter old woman. No, that's it. It's not. Is, um, is lift power, so like just the calculated not power, yeah. um, they often take it and they have like 400 watts or something. That's not like, fair, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're probably on an Audi trainer and like, <laughs> you know, it's not fair. Oh, what was the, um, what, what, did, what time did you do? Roughly. Oh, roughly. 40s? Let me get it. I think it was 37. Good Lord. I was very proud at this time. I'm just going <laughs> to bring it up now. That is amazing. 37, 39. <laughs> Good God. You know, I tried to do an Everest on that um, because I planned an Everest and then we got put into like one of our three-day lockdowns out of nowhere on the day I was planning. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, I'll just do it indoors. And I got like half like halfway, I did four or five, and I thought it's just too hard. Ah, uh, I'm second now. I just checked, but the the QOM is thirty five eighteen, so that's uh, very very fast. My mum did it up the Zwift Everesting actually, also during the lockdown, and I was oh. I was her scony, and she's sixty one, so it was pretty awesome. Oh, that's insane! All right, well, next time if I have to try it indoors, I'm gonna think of Sarah's mum has done yeah. it. So I can't give up. It's your game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. Well, um, hey, that's all I've got. Um, Sarah, thank you so much. You know, um, uh, Australian cycling talent doesn't get enough um, glory, enough publicity, and I'm sure especially the WA contingent that will listen to this podcast would be really keen and would have loved everything we chatted about. So, um, you know, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm going to have to go back through all your podcasts and listen to them. Well, yeah, you I like your <laughs> well you know what i actually haven't released any yet because i'm planning to um i wanted to record all 10 ah, then i can just go ching 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 but did you ever um uh did you meet you would have met somewhere met before um brendan morrison and rebecca cotton oh at the dira della donna last year i think yeah yeah so, that was the yeah oh, um, no, 
yeah. Yeah, they're good friends of mine and um, they told me they're, they're going to be the first episode because the Tour of Margaret River, which they, they um, that's their event, that's in, that's next week. Uh, oh, wow. So I wanted to start the episode, uh, the, the, the podcast with them first um, and they told me a story about how they met you at that event and you were like, they said you were riding home after the event and like <laughs> you rode home some like Kmart bike or something like that. That's what they were saying. Yeah, I, I think it was because, so there's a Giordella Donna on the Sunday, like the actual Grand Fondo, but then on the Friday or something, they had like a little dinner party and I don't remember why I was invited. It was, I don't know, Marianne Voss was there and then I think they just, they were nice and they invited a few local cyclists to listen. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it was a few kilometres from my house. So I just like rode my bike there and back, but everyone was all dressed up. I was dressed up too but I I just came on my bike and then left at like 11 p.m on my bike (laughs) (laughs) let's see all right well um uh thanks Sarah thanks again and um yeah we're really keen and I'm certainly really keen to see how you go next year and um at moment start so good luck thank you that's another episode done and dusted for the press room thanks so much everyone for tuning in uh i really hope everyone is loving uh these interviews and getting a lot out of them uh this was one of my favorite episodes i've done yet and sarah is uh one of my favorite cyclists so it was a real pleasure to get to interview her and um yeah how good were some of those insights um the olympics to moving to movie star to that bloody up to zwift time good lord uh, i'm gonna get to work so, uh, yeah, look, like, share, subscribe, leave a review on the, uh, the Apple and Spotify players if you uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'd really much appreciate the uh, feedback. And, uh, hey, I'm going to see you next week for episode four, eh? This is the press room. See you later.